Welcome to the Village Oak Tree for October 25th, 2023. Hello again, my name is Terrence O'Donnell and I'm happy to be back to your digital village with more news from around the world and a focus on something specific that I hope will rile you up a little bit. So this once a week podcast is hosted on RSS.com, also available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcast, Podcast Index, Listen Notes, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, TuneIn, and Deezer. The show is free to subscribe to for now on these mobile apps with a donation tab on the Village Oak Tree webpage at rs.com. And there's also a donation page on my website, much like passing the hat at the end of my visit to your digital village. So please share this podcast with every everyone you know as much as possible in order to make a difference in our world before it gets too late. A little about me. I'm of Irish descent and a self-professed Shauna Kay, a Gaelic storyteller. I want listeners to feel like we're sitting under your village oak tree, where I bring you headlines and my take from news feeds and relevant blog articles that I think are important to know about. I try to find stories from around the world that bear on the world we live in, no matter where we are in it. So for each article I present to you, there will be a link to read the stories in their entirety in the follow-up newsletters posted in medium.com, substack.com, and in the blog section of my website at crownbeha.com. During my break, I've created a two-minute advertisement for my website. It's the only commercial here, so no worries. Now, coming up in the second half, I want to take a few minutes to talk about body autonomy, or lack thereof, in certain states regarding pregnancies. So stick around to learn a little bit more. So let's dive into today's stories. My first section is all about forced labor around the world. And my first story is from Al Jazeera. And it's a title, We Will Cut Out Your Tongue, Filipino Activists Recount Kidnap Ordeal by Janila Castro and Jet Tomano. They say, I'm sorry, by Nick Aspinwell. Janila Castro and Jet Tomano say they were taken from the street by the military and subjected to abusive interrogations. Seems like the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree these days. The new Philippine President Marcos is shaping up to be like his father more and more. Kidnapping and terrorizing activists? Some are even being disappeared by the army. So what's next? So we're going to, you know, it looks like the Philippines is starting to roll back to uh, uh, daddy's time. And I remember those days. I used to travel in that part of the world back in the 70s when uh, the original Marco was president back then. Uh, martial law and curfews and all kinds of stuff. Next story. Lured to the UAE by bonuses of big money, what happened to Vergi Tamfungan, another Filipino? Promised a well-paid job in Dubai, the Filipino migrant worker now lies dead in a mortuary far from home. Her distraught family are desperate for answers. This came out of TheGuardian.com by Katie McHugh. Another instance of domestic labor abuse from death by somebody in Dubai this time. The family called by what appears to be another illegal recruiter reported the death, which was covered up in Dubai. She was still in the agency accommodation waiting to go to work when she died. She hadn't even gone to work yet. Now the company is trying to extort the family to send her home. As she was technically illegal to work there because this illegal recruiting agency didn't take care of the documents, her body is stuck in the morgue in Dubai until somebody can pay enough money to get her back home again. And that's, that's a big mess. But it's, it's just one more instance of what's happening to these people from the Philippines 
who have, you know, labor and, and money and everything in the Philippines is pretty rough. So they have, don't have a lot of choice to go to work for these foreign recruiters. And a lot of them are turning out to be very abusive and illegal and, you know, full of forced labor and everything else. Now, this one coming back to this part of the world. Federal agents investigate sugar exporter over allegations of forced labor. The previously undisclosed inquiry of Central Romana, the name of the company, raises the prospect of criminal sanctions by Sandy Tolan and Michael Montgomery, and this just came out of MotherJones.com. Down in the Dominican Republic, a Florida-based corporation is under investigation for slave labor practices in Wandolio, where Cuban and Haitian laborers are being exported by forcing them to live in very substandard conditions and working more hours than they're being paid for. Poor medical care, or none. No protective safety gear, and this stuff is cutting their legs up. Chronic debt enforced by the company's security forces. Another case of out of sight, out of mind, modern-day slavery until they get caught. Well, apparently they got caught. So then the corporate owners now are wanting to call on certain favors from their favorite politicians in the United States to bail them out. Now, this is what corporate America is all about right now. Abusing people, abusing everything they can, and then hoping that the, you know, the United States government or other governments are going to pat them on the hand and don't say, don't do it again, and here you are. Have a nice day. Well, right now, the American FBI and everything else is investigating this, so hopefully um, they won't get away with it. Republicans continue effort to erode U.S. child labor rules despite teen deaths. Violations have soared, but legislative efforts to strengthen protection for young workers have received little support. And this come out of TheGuardian.com by Michael Sanato. As I've reported before, the GOP is pushing for more child labor in their states as the sane adults in the room have left for better pastors in blue states. And I also reported on other stories here. There are more stories coming out nearly every week about companies getting fined or kids getting hurt or worse with these rollback age limits. And it's going to continue until something changes. Most of the children getting caught are the children of desperate migrants or child migrants left to fend for themselves, but children are children, no matter where they come from. None of them are disposable. Federal agents found more than two dozen minors working in an Ohio poultry plant. The children, mainly from Guatemala, according to local immigration advocates, were working in meat processing sanitation in a plant run by Gerber's Poultry. And this came out of NBC News. This is by Julia Ainsley, Lori Strickler, and Didi Martinez. So this is going to cost the company some big fine money, but they can afford it. And they can lie about it like so many others these days. All part of doing business now. In this case, it looks like most of the kids were Guatemalan living without parents. And a large portion were forced to work and pay off the people providing them room and board. And this is, this is the kind of stuff, as I said, it's become a weekly now. Now we're going to go to kind of an immigration story here. More of them. i got a couple of them. The American semiconductor boom faces a massive obstacle, a lack of immigrants. And I got this out of finance.yahoo.com news by Adriana Belmonte. The U.S. has a serious labor shortage of qualified technical immigrants, especially in the semiconductor industry. Now that they have largely cornered the market with the CHIPS Act, they're stonewalled due to lack of labor. They're predicting that by 2030, 80% of the jobs open will remain open 
due to lack of skilled workers, which probably are probably all in China right now. So much for Biden's campaign to bring jobs home. The jobs are there, but there's no one to fill the seats. A lot of good all that fuss with China did. Germany must deport on a large scale, Schultz says. Germany must finally deport on a large scale those who have no right to stay, unquote, in the country. Chancellor Olaf Scholz declared by Frank Chung. And this came out of News.com Australia. It seems that Germany has finally made a line in the sand and is now going to get serious about taking care of their asylum seekers and other migrants without proper papers. Rounding up all the immigrants and checking paperwork, maybe. If they aren't supposed to be there, deport them, no matter what. This is just another sign that Europe is finally saying enough. No more illegal immigrants. With Germany setting the bar, a lot of other countries will start being more vocal and pass laws to do the same. And it could get ugly here in the next few years. Populist right-wing SVP wins big in Switzerland with anti-immigration stand. Right-wing parties have been rising across Europe. And this came out of the nationalnews.com Europe by Simon Rushton. Using anti-immigration campaign, the right scored a lot of seats in the Swiss parliament this time, and things could start shifting further right even soon. Now, how is all this going to affect the cohesion of the EU going forward? Well, that's something we're going to have to watch because that could have a big effect on things around the world. So now we're going to, I got a story here, a couple of stories um, about this business going on in between Israel and Gaza. Why does the U.S. not support a ceasefire in Gaza? It's from Al Jazeera. So the, the article I've got is an actual video news article, which I'll post a link to in the newsletters. And it came from Al Jazeera's bottom line with Steve Clements. We have an interview with Daniel Levy, the president of the U.S. Middle East Project, regarding why the U.S. is so adamant in supporting the Israeli war machine. He makes the case that America has become weaker politically around the world, and this will only make things worse. So is the world headed for another global war? Well, you know, since I posted this news here, right to give you, there's been a lot of talk about that here lately, about a, an expanding global uh, regional conflict over there. Um, and, you know, the Western powers like the United States, China, Russia, and, you know, Britain and all that stepping in to do something. Well, so far, all it's got is a lot of posturing. And that's, that's a problem. Everybody's sending their Navy fleets out there, carrier groups and whatnot. Uh, just in case. But so far, the ones keeping the peace are the governments around the area out there, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, um, Syria and stuff, um, you know, trying to keep things in check. Iraq is trying to help keep things in check. Um, everybody's worried about what Hezbollah is going to do. Israel is clear about its intentions in Gaza. World leaders cannot plead ignorance of what is coming by Owen Jones. The UN is warning of a risk of genocide against Palestinians. You think? Future pleas of, quote, if I knew then what I know now, will not cut it. And this came out of theguardian.com. This is an opinion piece. And it's an admonishment to Western world leaders who are now regretting past decisions to go to war by playing follow the leader. In this case, the United States. And now are playing the same game all over again by publicly supporting, publicly supporting Israel now because Hamas killed quite a few of them in a surprise attack. They know behind closed doors what this could mean, but they're afraid to admit it. The Israelis intend to wipe out Hamas and any Palestinians that get in the way. The Islamic countries in the region are the only sane ones here, it seems. 
they're holding off to see what Israel does. But with the superpowers sending in military assets in the region, U.S., China, Great Britain, and now a couple others, everyone else is watching with bated breath to see who's going to flinch first. So now I've got one coming from the Republic of Ireland, and it's on the same line with this business here in Israel and Gaza. Israeli ambassador, quote, overstepped line, unquote, in criticizing President Michael D. Higgins over Gaza war comments. Labor leader Ivana Batik condemns diplomat as Tannis Mikhail Martin pushes for humanitarian pause in Israel-Gaza war. And this came out of the independent Irish news. Tannis Mikhail Martin has called for a humanitarian pause in the war in Gaza to allow aid to get through. This comes after Labor Party leader Ivan Batik told the Israeli ambassador that he had overstepped the line criticizing the Irish Republican president who described Israel as being in breach of international law. The ambassador says she felt a strong pro-Palestinian sentiment, sentiment when she first moved there two months ago. You think? Sean Fain has been very vocal about this Palestinian crisis for a long while now. Maybe this ambassador should do her homework before agreeing to go to a, another country to be a representative and then be criticizing the government's leaders. How Hamas trumped Netanyahu holds lesson for divided United States. Wake up, America. Buffeted by multiple corruption trials, Israel's prime minister was determined to cling to power at all costs. If this were a Hollywood script, Trump would be suing for copyright infringement by Uriel Heilman, is an opinion contributor to USA Today. Is this an opinion piece about how Israel got caught looking the other way when Hamas hit them, and now the fury over it? says a lot about the corrupt government in Israel, and it looks a lot like the U.S. right now. And the people are just as divided there as they are here in the United States, well, for different reasons. Is this a forecasting of possible events to come in the U.S.? The U.S. doesn't have a Palestine, but they do have a southern border that's big media focus for the GOP. The writer here alludes to all of the semi-automatic weapons in people's homes in the U.S. now, and how a lot of those same people favor the January 6th insurrection. They may not have actively participated, but there sure were a lot of armchair athletes cheering them on here in the U.S. Is it possible to have another surprise insurrection? Only better plan next time? That could be the American version, uh, American version of the Gaza conflict. Now this one from Canada. Um, and this is kind of um, more of a kind of an LGBTQ Christian kind of thing. Saskatoon government's pr pronoun policy relied heavily on one U.S. expert. U.S. political psychologist wrote affidavit supporting Saskatoon government position, court documents show, by Joel Seal of CBC News. So, in the CBC, Saskatchewan is bound and determined to keep their ancient Christian patriarchal culture by any means. Much like New Brunswick. What is it with these white descendants of the Europeans? Is this addiction to power so entrenched with them that they can't see the world as moving on around them? You know, kind of makes you wonder. There's been more flack about that since this article came out. Now we're going to get into racist articles. And we're going to get into racism and immigration stuff. Indigenous groups say voice referendum unleashed a tsunami of racism, unquote. Yes, supporters break week of silence by stating 14 October result was no was so mean-spirited it would remain unbelievable appalling for decades. 
This came out of the Guardian.com Australian News by Sarah Basford Canales. As more and more people start talking about talking about this no vote in Australia, it's becoming obvious that democracy down under is only meant for the descendants of the Europeans and not so much for the indigenous peoples based on the votes that came in. Given their history, this shouldn't come as any real surprise. So now what? The Australian governments can't pretend the vote didn't happen, but a lot of them wish it had. And, you know, obviously it's too late to do much about it right now. And as I mentioned last week, though they polled the different polling stations, turns out the, you know, the, the majority population of the indigenous people voted yes for this. But the other Australians, mostly the white ones, yeah, nope. Now we'll come back here to the United States. And I picked this one up this morning. Dairy workers on Wisconsin's small farms are dying. Most of those deaths are never investigated. OSHA sometimes investigates death on small farms if they provide housing to immigrant workers. Other times, the agency says it can't take action by Miriam Jamil and Melissa Sanchez. And this came from ProPublica.org. This is more follow-on articles about their running series on these issues with um, undocumented migrants working in dairy farms in Wisconsin. So the state's under near authoritarian control of the state with the you know state's GOP party. So it's no wonder that few people care about what happens to undocumented farm laborers that get killed or hurt on these small family farms. The biggest takeaway from this article is the lack of safety protocols and the physical restraints that most, you know, most workplaces are held to. No such thing on these farms. They're not being held to any standards until it's too late. Local OSHA inspectors are hampered by the law. They say that you got to have a minimum of 11 people living on the place before they can come and do any inspections. So if you've got less than 11 undocumented employees living there, OSHA's not going to come on board and look. And the farm owners, most you know, most of them are so poor, they can't afford to maintain safety standards in, in accordance with federal workplace. So then a lot of them probably don't care about their undocumented workers because there's always someone else to take their place. So is this more European exceptionalism mentality again? Kind of makes you wonder because these stories keep coming. Reporter is shocked after Nebraska governor dismisses her as being, quote, from communist China. All you got to do is look at the author. The author is from communist China. What more do you need to know, unquote? Governor Jim Pillen said last month when asked if he had read Yang Chi Su's article on his company. This came from NBC.News by Kimmy Yan. Nebraska governor disses Chinese immigrant reporter for reporting on his corporate farms in an obvious racist remark in public. Her editor and employer are very upset, and the governor's office won't respond. Just another example of white exceptionalism by the GOP when it comes to someone trying to hold them accountable for something. In this case, the excess use of nitrates on his family farms. The disdain he shows because the reporter is Chinese, just shows their arrogance and brazenness due to Donald Trump's legacy. And there's been more follow-up on this stuff here. I read an article this morning about this from a prominent journalist up there. So this, this is starting to heat up a little bit up there in Nebraska. Now we're going to get into environmental climate change articles here. Halloween-themed climate campaign aims to show horrors of methane gas. Gas leaks advocacy groups and ad resembling horror movie trailer is latest in broader push to counter fossil fuels industry messaging. 
and this is from TheGuardian.com U.S. News by Darna Newar. This is an article with some good videos in it. The second one is actually pretty funny. It's finally good to see the climate activists fighting back with ads that will actually resonate with regular people. So, I, again, the link will be in the newsletter. I strongly recommend you take a look at it. As I said, there are good videos. Five decades and a mountain of evidence. Study explores how toxic chemicals are stealing children's future potential. Children of color and from low-income families are not only exposed to more dangerous substances, but also experience disproportionate harm to their brain development, researchers report, by Victoria St. Martin in InsideClimateNews.org. This from an indigenous community on an island in the Bering Sea is suffering from toxic chemical pollution is causing a lot of cancers and children developmental issues. But global warming causing the ocean currents to bring all that chemical pollution to the Arctic Circle, the fight is on in Alaska to do something about it. And it's not just Alaska, but pretty much anywhere. I mean, I'm quite sure that the Atlantic Maritimes are having a problem with this. Um, you know, any, uh, you know, British Columbia, you know, all of this, with all this stuff in the ocean being pushed north, you're going to see a lot more of this kind of stuff going on. Now I have a good, I got a good news article on the climate. Wild birds gain immunity to avian flu in, quote, encouraging sign, unquote, amid deadly outbreak. Scientists find antibodies in Scottish populations of northern gannets and shags as poultry infections in Britain fall dramatically. This came out of the Guardian.com environment. It's possible good news about avian flu virus. Maybe this immunity will spread to other wild bird species over time. There's little hope for domestic birds, though, because of the horrific conditions a lot of farmers force the birds to live in just for a few meat and eggs. I mean, if I had to give up chicken meat and, and eggs, you know, I could find something else. Um, or, you know, at least pare it down where it's only coming from, you know, free-range chickens. And I'd be all right with that. China set to dominate the deep sea in its wealth of rare metals. And this came out of the WashingtonPost.com. By Lily Kuo. It seems that China is gaining ground to shut out the U.S. and deep sea mining operations. The world needs the minerals, but at what expense? How badly will China destroy the deep sea ecosystems to get rich from mining operations? Do they even care in their race to avenge themselves over past insults and put downs from the West? As if the world doesn't have enough on its plate, the Chinese want to ramp things, ramp things up even more. Antarctica. What's the big deal over resource exploitation by Martin Kubler? And this came out of the DW.com. Russia and China are blocking efforts to protect more of Antarctica's icy wilderness. With abundant fish and krill and potentially potential energy reserves, why is it so important to protect the South Pole? So as Climate Change Stories talks about how important it is to protect the environment in Antarctica more than ever with global warming pushing more marine life towards this continent because of the cooler temps. The global powers are already competing for all the resources available or speculated to be available. Imagine if the massive Chinese fishing fleet or mining companies decide that Antarctica is theirs someday soon. And that could happen. You know, here's the deal. You go to the opposite end of the world where the Arctic is, and there are some wealthy, well, sort of kind of wealthy, Russia being one of them, Russia and China and the United States and Canada, to a lesser degree, are all competing massively for real estate in the Arctic. 
So they're also doing it down in the Antarctic. The idea is to kind of hold them off, keep them from destroying everything. Can we do that? Well, time will tell. Environment. Immigrant groups say state needs to prepare for likely climate migration. Discussions among state officials, experts, and stakeholders are underway by Evan Pop. And I got this from um, a local newspaper up in Maine. And it's called the, in the Maine Morning Star.com from Portland, Maine, or Augusta, up in southern Maine. So it's starting, it's a story about how the state of Maine is already having discussions on how to prepare themselves for waves of climate migrants that start looking for asylum of sorts. In Maine, there's one glaring problem. There's nowhere to put them unless they want to live in makeshift tents out in the woods. Anywhere. That's the only thing that Maine has in abundance. Land, a lot of land that's rocky and full of trees. The only hope would be if the federal government were to help. But that's a big if, considering the current state of affairs in Washington, D.C. And that's the big issue right now, is because Maine is, is a more temperate climate. Yes, it's cold in the winter, but with global warming, that's probably going to change somewhat. I mean, I have friends who live up there still, and they tell me that the winters have been very mild compared to was, what it was like when I used to live up there. So, yeah, it's getting warmer up there. Um, the winters are not nearly as bad um, as far as that goes. So what are we going to have? The big thing is not only are we getting climate migrants from other countries going up there, it's a good possibility you're going to have internal climate migrants coming from places like Arizona and California. They're going to want to go to somewhere where there's plenty of land. Well, there's no, you know, unless you want to live in a tent. Now, this one I got from the grist.org by Kate Yoder. Climate change has toppled some civilizations, but not others. Why? Climate article originally published here in Grist asked the existential question. My take is that the Roman Empire is still with us in, in its new form, which that started in 325 AD, the Roman Catholic Church. But what other great empires, like the British Empire and the United States, can they withstand the current climate destruction? Great Britain is nearly on its knees with its mistakes in economics of late, and the U.S. is also on the decline due to climate change and internal divisions. All of, all of that stemming from the wealth gap that is causing most of the unrest. And this applies to everywhere, Europe, Great Britain, United States. And that is what the scientists in this article are talking about. It's not necessarily the climate change that brings about a fall, but a combination of all of that. Climate destruction and a loss in faith with their governments, which is what brought about the massive changes to the Roman Empire. Now I got this next article from the HartmanReport.com by Tom Hartman. America mysteriously hit a deadly climate tipping point, and no one knows why. It's so dramatic and so shocking to scientists, typically not prone to hyperbole, published in the journal Bioscience. Quote, life on planet Earth is under siege. We are now in uncharted territory, unquote. So a Substack article came out today. It's another reminder that only the people can do something about climate mitigation by forcing their governments to fight against the fossil fuel industry around the world. With Cat 5 typhoons coming out of nowhere now, like the one that just hit Acapulco in Mexico, plus all the other unstable climate disasters happening around the world, it's only a matter of time before a lot of people start dying, more so than they already are now. Now I'm going to get into a, an anti-abortion here. Fight over Texas anti-abortion transport bans reaches biggest battlegrounds yet by Julia Hartick. And this came out of Reuters.com. 
two large Texas counties are seriously considering abortion transport bans to prevent pregnant women in the Texas from crossing over to New Mexico for abortions. It's legal in New, in New Mexico still. As these counties are the largest on the western side of the state, this can prove to be a really big deal for women there. That goes along with the governor trying to seal off the border with concertina wire to keep the immigrants out. Pretty soon, Texas will have border checkpoints and state militia patrols to further seal off Texas from the rest of the world. And I'm going to talk more about these transport bans in the second half, so stay tuned. My next article is kind of a opinion piece in some ways. And I got this from the South China uh, News. And America is, is, quote, the danger, unquote, and will end up getting us all killed. Hubris is what makes the United States think it's, quote, the, the indispensable nation, unquote, by Alex Lowe. So it's hubris to think the United States is still the strongest nation on the earth. They still want everyone to think that, though. Nothing like a good PR campaign to straighten out any naysayers. Trouble is, the United States is the only one saying this around the world now. Everyone else is moving on. This whole hawkish business with China, while we're supporting Ukraine and now Israel, is all smokescreen to make the world think the U.S. can handle all of it in stride. Considering the mess they made with Afghanistan and Iraq, no one's buying that story anymore. The U.S. is starting to become irrelevant in the world stage, but you can't tell them that. Obviously, they want to remain top dog. And again, this is from the South China Morning Post. Um, I don't pick a lot of articles from them, but every once in a while they come up with something good. And this one, another article I picked out today. This from all. This also from um, from the Far East. Japan's top court rules against law requiring sterilization surgery to officially change gender. Claimant argued requirement violated constitution's equal rights protections. And I got this from CBC.Canada, but they got it from the Associated Press. Good news for transgender people in Japan. No more forced surgeries anymore. Of course, there will be pushback in this very conservative, patriarchal country, but it's a start, considering they have sterilized over 10,000 people since the law went into effect in 2004. So maybe there's hope yet for the LGBTQ plus laws to be relaxed in the near future. Maybe they'll open up same-sex marriages over there soon. One can only hope. And now I've got kind of a it's a tech, technology article, and it's a, it's a good news article from Australia. Why a hologram revolution could be on the way, in the, and this was from the BBC.com News by Phil Mercer. A zoo tech has figured out a way to create holograms without massive computing power, and the visitors love it. This could possibly revolutionize how holograms are made and presented. Some good news from TechFront for a change. And Isaiah, this came from a, a zoo in, uh, I think, Melbourne, Australia. So that's the end of the first half. It's time for me to take a break. And while I'm there, you know, listen to my little advertisement on my website, and I'll be back in a couple of minutes. Just remember, next second half is going to be about uh, right, you know, women's rights against their body. Um, so stay tuned. I want to take this break to bring attention to my website, crombiha.com. You may use the link in the newsletters to find it for the first time as the name is in Gaelic and a little hard to find unless you know what you're looking for. I also have the RSS feeder enabled so if you like what I write, you can get a notice whenever I post something new. Within the website, there is a homepage where you can learn a little more about what Crumbie Hall means for a little bit of Irish culture and a little bit more about me in general. 
I have a blog page where I post copies of my online blog articles and stories and a copy of the weekly podcast newsletters. I also have a drop-down menu with links to both podcasts and Spotify, a page with links to my Medium and Substack pages, an ad page for my published books, and a contact page in case someone cares to leave a message. If you enjoy reading short stories, poetry, and blog articles from great writers around the world, I recommend Medium and Substack as great choices to find what you like to read about most and dive in as much as you want. Disclaimer, if you want to read my complete articles and stories at Medium.com, you will need to sign up for a subscription of $5 a month or $50 a year. I offer everything for free for one month in Substack. Then it's $5 a month or $30 a year with an advert to sign up on my web pages. These are the minimums these companies will allow me to charge, unfortunately. All the stories, poetry, and newsletters I write will be available in the blog section of my website if you don't want to subscribe to anything. If you like what you see, feel free to leave a message in the comment page anytime. I will respond very quickly via email. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the second half of the Village Oak Tree. I want to talk about the loss of body autonomy and the Christian church's role in all of that. I pulled one of Tom Harmon's articles from last week to emphasize just how badly this is getting in these GOP Christian-run states. He's talking about how the Christians, largely, largely being pushed by the Catholic Church, are trying to make birth control illegal. They've already outlawed abortions, and now they want to eliminate birth control. And the article is entitled, What Will Americans Do When Birth Control is Illegal? Are Republicans warming up jail cells they want to put American women into who have the temerity to continue using birth control after the GOP bans take effect? So I made a response, like a rebuttal, if you want. But I wouldn't call it a rebuttal. More of a response, I guess, is the best word. Uh, and I posted it on Substack with this article. If you step back from his personal details about his visits with these authoritarian Catholic leaders in this article, you can see where all this is heading. The Catholic Church wants to control the world again, and they don't have a problem with subverting Protestants to help them. The Holy Roman Catholic Church, once upon a time, did in fact rule the known European world and rule it with an iron fist. Not that I like the English one bit, but Henry VIII sticking it to the then Pope for personal reasons and starting his own church was a good thing, along with Martin Luther and so many other ones that turned into Protestants. But in so doing, they brought on wars similar to the world wars of the 20th century all across Europe, all in the names of their churches. These religious wars are coming back again, especially here in North America, as the white people there are struggling to find a religious identity to fit all, or have one that encompasses all, like the Holy Roman Catholic Church would like to have in their name and faith. Another version of the ancient Roman Empire that refuses to die. And that's what I posted. Now, the big thing is the Catholic Church is at the forefront of a lot of this. And they have taken this whole right to life thing to the nth degree. 
So are they pushing to set the United States back 100 years, maybe even Canada, to when parents had anywhere from 6 to 12 children or more? Is this because of the so-called labor shortage they're crying about? They've already lowered the age limits in some states to allow minors to work longer hours and in unsafe workplaces if they want. Some of them don't have a lot of choice. There's already enough ticking children workplace accidents and deaths since they started, as I've mentioned in the articles in the first half. Is that what the higher birth rate is for? To replace the labor force after the disabling accidents and deaths from these workplaces? To offset the cries of white population decreases? The latter is probably the primary reason. It sounds like these white Anglo-Saxon descendants of the Europeans are so afraid of losing their majority demographic, they're prepping to force their women to become stay-at-home baby makers to make up for the feared shortages of children. This is what fear of losing one's tribal identity looks like. It becomes so obsessive that the men in this tribal mentality are prepared to go to war with all the other tribes in order to maintain their dominance over them. They've been in charge since they first figured out that they could dominate the Native Americans by force and coercion. They brought advanced weapons, germ warfare, and European politics, for which indigenous peoples had little defense against at first. By the time they did muster a defense, it was already too late, as Europeans simply made more babies than they could, they could handle and overwhelmed the indigenous populations. As one Native American leader once said to a reporter, quote, no matter how many we kill, they, steep, they still keep coming. There seems to be an endless number of them, unquote. And now in 2023, the pressure is back on to revert back to that time when the white Anglo-Saxons could crank up the baby-making machines and overwhelm the other tribes of man in the U.S. so they could retain their exceptionalism. How better to do that than to force more women to have more babies? Go back in time to when men made all the decisions and women had no rights to anything other than running a household and any questions had to be pushed off to the man of the house. I think women had thought we moved on from those dark times. A lot of men thought we had moved on from that too. Now these patriarchal Christians want to bring it back, and the Christian churches are right behind them from their palatial bleachers egging them on. The Catholic Church and some of the Protestants, especially the Southern Baptists, would love to go back in time to when the churches and the men's only clubs in the churches ran everything. The Catholic Church really wants their former glory back from when they ruled the known world. I think the Islamic world might object to that, much like they did back during the Crusades, which failed miserably for the Holy Roman Catholic Church back then. So what's in store for the United States? Will these GOP states continue their oppression of anything they want to control without any federal interference? It looks like that's the plan. Push until the feds push back and try to argue for states' rights in a right-wing Supreme Court. I wouldn't bet too much on this court, though. They're already ruling against some obviously gerrymandering in some of these red states. So would they rule against banning birth control or removing what few women's rights they have left? I wouldn't place any bets on that from either side these days. To be honest with you, you don't really know for sure which way they'll swing. So with the House of Representatives in such disarray, things could change drastically any day while the majority of Americans watch and scratch their heads instead of trying to do something about it. If I were a woman living in one of these extreme red states right now and thinking about having children, I would be very wary and plan for an exit strategy before even that's taken away from them. Imagine the turmoil if women decided en masse to evacuate from states that restrict their right to body autonomy, their right to travel wherever they wish while pregnant, or worse. Although in certain states, like Texas and Idaho, 
If a woman does become pregnant in these states, their right to travel is being watched very carefully now. The bounty hunters and state Gustavo agents are ready to grab them if they try to travel out of state without approval. A woman might be trying to have an abortion, and that must be stopped at all costs, according to them. One of, the tech, one of Texas' biggest counties bordering New Mexico is voting on that just right now. And they'll probably vote to do travel bans because there have been a few other counties in Texas that have voted on this. And they, you know, if anybody doesn't know, Idaho and Texas have enabled bounty hunters in these states to, um, to tattle on these women who might want to get abortions. If these patriarchal leaders do manage to ban birth control in their states, given what's happening in Alabama right now, the maternal and infant death rates will skyrocket. Women will leave these feudal states in droves. Hospitals will be so afraid of the politicians, they will shut down their maternity wards and clinics and go somewhere else, like what's going on in Alabama right now, leaving only poorest women behind to continue being organic baby-making machines. The U.S. is still a ways off from that dystopian future, but maybe not for long, depending on what happens in Washington, D.C. within the next 13 months. Given all that's going on there, or not, anything can happen in that short amount of time. And what happens there affects a large portion of the known world. But maybe that's the master plan. Turn Washington, D.C. into an American version of Rome and create another Roman Catholic empire with an American twist. Imagine how the Vatican will react to that. So that's all I have for you this week. I hope I've enlightened you a little bit. I will leave you with my question and last thoughts of the week. What do you think about women losing their right to travel across state lines for any reason if they're pregnant? What do you think about certain Christian churches trying to maneuver their politics to a point where they take over the major government institutions everywhere and institute national bans on abortions and birth control? What if they took over and made a law that Christianity was the national religion and everyone had to convert or leave at risk of going to jail or a labor camp. It's extreme, but those thoughts are already making the rounds of certain state houses. I would like to thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it. You'll return again for another episode of the Village Oak Tree. Feel free to share this with your friends and relations. The more you share, the more we can convince enough people to make the world a better place to live in. Just search for the Village Oak Tree in your favorite podcast app. I hope I've achieved my goal in helping you feel like we've been sitting under the Village Oak Tree today. As a Shauna Key, I want to continue to travel to your digital village every week to bring you something that might bring you a smile or make you think a little bit after we part for the day. As I say goodbye this week, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day. May your troubles be less and your blessings be more. And nothing but happiness goes through your door. Schlongo foil, which means goodbye for now in Irish.